Hey, Mike. Hey, Michelle. How's it going? Would you like to confess right now or let it pile up a little bit more? <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll probably wait just a little bit on that. Good strategy. Yeah. Well, welcome to West Coast Project, Michelle, for True Detective Episode 4. Pretty exciting. What a great intro. The hour in the day. The hour in the day. Do you yep. have any thoughts or adjust any of your theories since episode three? <sighs> okay. I was a little bit disappointed in episode four, but I'm going to blame you because you brought back up how great the fourth episode is in season one and season two, that it was like the best episode. And I feel like this is pretty predictable. We guessed a lot of the stuff that was going on with this just in the first, well, I mean, I want to say the first episode, the first time we watched it, episode one and episode two. And so it's really good and it's really well done. And there's a whole lot about it that I'm excited to talk about, but it seems a little predictable to me. It, it could, I've, I've had a weird week, so it could just be that, you know, my, my mood or whatever. But what did you think? You mean it's predictable in that it's following the template of season one? No, I think it's predictable in that you and I guess almost everything that they're leading us to so far. I mean, and it it is maybe even over following season one. Now they've brought like the church into it and um and it's obviously got something to do with some cover up whether it be a specific cover up in the higher ups of the police or not um something's going on well it clearly has that it has the spiral it has the abducted children it has the powerful people pulling strings i don't know i don't mind i don't mind that template though Okay. Pizzolatto was on the news recently saying, calling this whole true detective project, instead of an anthology, he's starting to call it a trilogy. And he has, like, there's a picture of the three different badges of the police from Louisiana, Los Angeles, and Arkansas. Um, I don't know. So maybe maybe he's, in his mind this was all just a big trilogy project, and this is the third part, the third act. Um, and well, even I think I even saw a spoiler, spoiler alert a little bit. We talk about the next downs usually at the very end, but I think I saw a picture. Somebody did a screenshot of what's the girl? What's the girl doing the podcast or the television show's name? Um, her name is Eliza. Yeah, she Eliza has a Montgomery. picture of Rust and Marty on her computer. A picture of a newspaper article on her computer that she's showing to Wayne, and it's got Rust and Marty in the article. Hmm. So it's it's probably in Pizzolatto's eyes some, somewhat of a trilogy, a long story instead of just a, you know, anthology of three separate things. Well, that would make it different. I mean, if if it had been prefaced with that, I could definitely go along with that, you know, like more. But if it's that's not really how they've talked about it up into this first time I've heard that. And just seeing it as a standalone anthology, it does feel like it's playing pretty heavily on same old, same old. But honestly, that's not even so much what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm 
okay, if we're talking about, uh, you know, crooked cops and, and um, you know, something to do with people using religion to hurt people or any of that kind of stuff, okay, I can, I can get behind that story. But just the fact that you and I guessed so much of this as far as, okay, for sure now, Lucy has something to do with this. Lucy set this up. The second time I watched it and heard her talking with Amelia, she has, she set this up and it went bad. And that's why Lucy can't, well, I mean, who who could move on anyway? But that's why she can't move on at all. That's why she ends up um, ODing, I think. Like I think that's like a suicide almost. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, because she talks about suicide in this, and she's talking about that, and then we find out that she, you know, does OD in a few years, and she was talking about what she did, you know, and so she, she's done something, I think, and if not, then it's not fair to play with us like that. It's just like the guns thing in that in that uh, canvas bag. That is so not cool. That's not cool. You don't carry a canvas bag with guns, particularly the long guns in it, like that. That's not how that's carried. You might, and, though, You might though, if you had Claymore mines in it, like we thought. If something more dangerous than just guns, you might be careful with it. I would think you would have the Claymore mines somewhere else rather than thrown in that bag with those guns to flop around in not there. Not if you needed them all quick, grabby, quick style you would have them yeah. all together i know mike but you can go back and watch that and the way it's hanging like on one end and the other end that bag well that's the that's the drama that's the story part of it that's not cool though that's not cool that's so uncool to do that well michelle so, everyone outside of tennessee thought that it was a bag of guns so <laughs> sorry you're trapped in that <laughs> geographical time but yeah every it looked it looked like a body in a you know, but you're supposed to think that, like, oh, he's I got. I know, a- but they could have carried it a different way, and it could have still looked like a body. You don't cradle guns like that. I don't know. I just think it. It's. I didn't like that at all. I did not like that at all. That was the first time I've. That probably set the tone for me. It made me look back on the whole episode and go, "Okay, come on." I'll give you a little bit of latitude on stuff when you're telling me a story, but that was too far. So you've been scorching Pizzolatto on Twitter all week, Michelle? I haven't. I haven't because he's a genius, and I can't possibly do it. Here I am going, you know, how dare he? And, you know, he's so far ahead of me that it's a joke. But but I didn't like it. I didn't like that part of it. So we got David Milch helping him out on this episode. With the, mostly, it comes across in the dialogue. He's great with this dialogue, especially between Wayne and Amelia, the the dirty slash clever dialogue that they have, and the and the soul of a whore. You know, that's very David Milchish, Milchish. You know, this the guy that wrote Deadwood. I don't know if you saw Deadwood, but very very great conversations and dialogue in those shows. Yeah, I did see that, but I did not know that this was that he had a part in this. So that's pretty cool. And yeah, there there really was the dialogue was outstanding in this in both of those places that you're talking about. So Michelle, I'm back on uh on Amelia being 
bad at being uh, evil. <laughs> She's a master manipulator. Uh, to the point of me not liking her as a character anymore. Like she seemed like the nice school marm at first, but now she's just a she's kind of a bitchy manipulator. Oh my gosh, do you think so? Yeah, she pushes. She she has Wayne like, oh, don't run away from me, and then she shuts down and run runs away from him a minute later in their oh argument. Oh my gosh! Oh, I saw this completely different than you, which is funny because anybody who's listened to us for any length of time, I am normally on the guy's side and you are normally on the female side and that's how we always tend to do it but in this i am so on her side well you were on her side with the whiskey when he was drinking the whiskey too and she came home after having drinks with the with the with the um oklahoma detectives but she told him she was going to do it and he was okay with it yeah, she's pulling she's puppeting. She's pulling his strings though. She's manipulating him pretty heavy duty. Oh my gosh, I don't see it that way at all. Well, you also saw a bag of a body, so don't Well, oh, okay. Um Yeah, so I I don't know. I I think it wasn't it wasn't like the big dramatic explosion we saw in season 4 of the episode 4 of the other seasons, but it was kind of a hint of explosions <laughs> at the end of it, so I don't know. I liked it. Overall, I liked it. Yeah, I I was watching it for the second time with uh, my husband, Mike, and he kind of checked out on this episode. I was noticing him. He watched it, but it wasn't like the first three. The first three was really engrossed, and he kind of, you know, checked out, checked his phone a couple times during the episode, and that's not like him so much. Um, But like I said, it's been a weird week. But at the end... When Woodard got out those Claymore mines or whatever they are, I think that's what they're called. Um, yeah, he he started taking notice then when those guys were coming after. So do you think Woodard. Woodard's going to be the when they say that we want this case to stay solved? Do you think they solved it? Air quotes around solved it with Woodard being the guilty party, and then he got killed in this explosion, and that's that case wrapped up. Everybody, give me my promotion. Let's move on to happier days. I don't think Woodard will get killed in that explosion. And if they do, if he does, then that's not going to sit well with me either. Because those mines are set to only blow in one direction. Well, maybe and not. Maybe and yeah. it gets, what about the gunfight? You don't just, you know, you don't just have an explosion and that's the end of it. There's a, probably a gunfight. There's, well, I don't, I, I don't want to spoil. So I'll just let that go. All right. Okay. But. If you just want to jump into it, we start the episode at St. Michael's Church with Hayes and West and the police and and the priest. So they've went there to talk to the priest who's doing uh, a class, a communion class, which is evidently a common thing he does and he does it with his kids and then he makes their picture. He talks about the picture, the prayerful repose, and for some reason Will had his eyes closed and everybody else didn't and he says maybe he just blinked. Was any of that strange? To well, you? I think it's like the bag of guns slash body. I think it's the I think it's Pizzolatto wanting us to mistrust this priest. Well, we also have to remember back in 1980 when you made a picture, you didn't know if somebody blinked their eyes. It's not like today. I mean, some people maybe that listen to this podcast that are young, and you have 
digital <laughs> digital pictures, it's completely different than it was back then. You made the picture, and what came out came out. So, but so so it's it's believable that it could happen like that. But well, he just seems creepy. Like the oh, he must have blinked. That's such a thin, stupid excuse. I I know you would take a picture. 15 times now just to get the right one and you would probably only take it once because of cost of film and developing and all that but still that looked like a pretty flimsy looked like a guilty excuse made to make him look creepy and he looks creepy you know it just seems creepy and i think that's not by accident so you think something's going on yeah i think it's a misdirection I don't think we're going to find many answers in that. Pre- he may have been peripherally part of the evil, but I don't think he's a main focus. Just like Woodard, you know, right. Woodard's kind of a trapped in it, part of the evil, part of the part of the crime by the periphery of it. But I don't think he's the main perpetrator. Well, and I'm I'm okay with all that, though. I'm surprisingly okay with all that because. I would imagine that as you're looking at the crimes and looking at what's going on, that there would be side distractions that might lead you in some way. That feels authentic to me. Well, that's probably how they solve crimes. They could, you know, they follow breadcrumbs from any and every direction. Right. And a lot of them are not going to end up being in the direction you need to go. But so all of that feels okay to me. Um, Plus Roland calls him out right away. You know, Roland mistrusts him, so that means that's too much of a telegraphed punch, you know. Anyone who goes their whole life without sex is, or uses the David Milch version, anyone who goes fucking goes through life without fucking for the rest of their life, there's something wrong with them. That's very David Milch. But um, that's a that's a telegraph punch that is probably not, he's probably not the ringleader, you know. Do you think it has something to do with the church, though? Probably. I mean, probably that's a recruiting tool of some sort so that this guy is probably being used by the bigger, greater evil. Who, who again, I think we asked this in the first podcast. Do we know? Have we seen the perpetrator? I don't think we have yet. I don't think we've seen the master uh, man behind the curtain. Yeah, maybe not. It's funny to me here, though, that Julie has talked with the priest about being excited about seeing an aunt. Okay. So we get that little nugget of information and Hayes and West tells the priest she doesn't have an aunt. And so they want the names of, uh, and the fingerprints, which is a pretty big deal of his congregation. And the, the Reddit, the Reddit wisdom of the Reddit crowd is that the aunt is, is the Hoyt daughter and the, aunt is the surrogate mother then of julie or supposed to be and julie's well, the replacement for the kid that got sick or whatever happened to right right I'm, I'm i'm buying that i'm buying that whole thing um that's kind of what i'm thinking you know i'm thinking that first of all julie i think they've really led us in that direction that she didn't belong to tom anyway and Maybe she did belong to Hoyt, or maybe she didn't, but Lucy kind of sold Julie to 
these people in whatever way and maybe not sold for money or whatever, but thinking that they'd give her a better life or whatever, because she talks about failing his parent and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, I think, I think, um, Pizzolatto is a lot like the, the orange is the new black author who I'm not going to remember her name and the, the affair lady. I'm not going to remember her name. I should remember these people. But I think he makes comments on social things, events of our day and of our time. And I think he's saying, in a way, churches that manipulate young people are evil. And when they're, you know, they they deserve a little bit of slapback sometimes. And I think he might be making this statement about the church. And it might not really have that much to do with, the, like, the, the hint of the clue of the solving of this case. But he's getting his jab in on the church. And the, and the way some churches manipulate children and people, especially yeah. the Catholic church, you know, gets away with murder, <laughs> abusing kids and the priests just get moved around to other places. Well, and we kind of see that where, where West is talking to Hayes about it and how he's Baptist, we know, and Hayes is Catholic. And so they kind of have that little spar over that. But we also find out from the priest that, the corn husk dolls are made by a lady named Patty Faber and she makes them and sells them at their fair. And he has nothing but nice things to say about her. I, also- I think Patty Faber is just a nice little old lady making corn husk dolls. I don't think she's anything either. I think, I think she's what we see. She is. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Patty Faber is just a breadcrumb leading them in whatever direction that they're going. I agree with that. The priest says that the kids were sweet and they looked out for each other. He seems to know more and have had more conversation with these kids than anybody else that we've talked to, even including the teacher, which is kind of surprising. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they see the priest. Well, they see the teacher every day, so maybe that is a good point. But I don't know. Do you reveal more in church to your priest than you do as a student in school to your teacher, or is it the other way around? Yeah, maybe. I mean, they get a pass with this, too, because maybe she wasn't, Julie wasn't talking about being excited to see her aunt. Maybe Julie was talking to her friend because she was in a class that wasn't as strict to school stuff as far as being able to talk and everything. So, I mean, they get a pass with that, but it just seemed kind of odd to me that this one little class and they seemed to, he seemed to have heard more. It's like no one was talking to these kids. Well, the priest tries to get confessions to people to give him confessions, so maybe that's an implication that the kids or the or Tom and Lucy gave point. confessions of some sort. So he has that's an inside a, track yeah. to things. I don't know. I, I don't I don't put a lot of weight on this priest thought. I'm not too worried about him. I don't really care to see that much more of him because I don't think he's that important of a player in this whole drama. No, probably not. Um, then we go to the scene where Wes is, and Hayes are in the car and they're talking about the priest, all that stuff we just talked about. And um, Hayes seems to be focused on Will looking out for his sister. And he starts hypothesizing that he was trying to defend her. And that's what happened. Now, that's a new angle on it. We haven't talked about that. I wasn't thinking about Will trying to defend Julie. I was just thinking about something incidentally happening with Will. 
So that could be an interesting new thing. Yeah, we learned but, some new stuff in this episode. I mean, you had to kind of pay attention to it because it wasn't all explosions and gunfights. But, like, I learned that Will and Julie were separated because the kid, the one kid, I don't know if you learned that in the last episode or this episode, but the kid says he, ch- I think it was this episode, says he chased her or chased him, chased Will. And Will was looking for her. Yeah, yeah. so they were separate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he has Will's bike, but not Julie's bike. So Will's bike was left somewhere. I mean, maybe Julie's bike was there, but we didn't see it there. It seemed like they were separate, separated somehow. Well, they were definitely separated because he was looking. They said Will was looking for Julie. So they were separated. That's what Freddie says at the end. So, yeah, that's true. But they continue on that it was all about the girl. So they're kind of getting that that feeling they go to talk to this patty faber woman and she tells them about one man that bought 10 of the dolls off of her at the last minute she describes him as a black man with a dead eye and that's really the only description she's able to give the man and when they ask if she knew where he was or where he was from or whatever she said she just assumed that he was from over the tracks in davis junction yeah, this show is so steeped in like racism, that, the subtle racism that just overlays a community and probably overlaid a part of the country at the time. That, I mean, now we can see it, but back then, you know, was was he? I don't know when this part was part of this episode, but was he attractive or ugly? She's like, I don't know. He was black. He lived in the right. part of town where blacks live. What what right. more do you need to know? I mean, that's just the that's the subtle, probably more most evil type of racism that just. Don't you get it? You know, don't you understand that he was black? Doesn't that's all I have to say about it? You know, that's right. pretty racist. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And it was it it was a kind of startling to me to hear that. And we also have to remember though that in the eighties and this woman was old, you know, I mean she was portrayed to be an old woman. So um I think the older you know when you and I think back on the 80s, I don't know that we think about it that um, that way. I don't remember stuff being as racist as it's being portrayed in this, certainly. But, you know, I wasn't old. I was a kid. And maybe I just didn't feel that kind of stuff. I think it's both. T- I think it's temporal and geographic. I think it's not only that I was in the 80s, but also that part of the country where the black people did live in Duncan Junction or, you know, they had a whole separate part of town and they didn't really interact. And and in the middle of the country, in the backwoods like that, I kind of think people stuck to their, they were, they were racially separated, segregated. Sure. You know, you go to Los Angeles or San Francisco and there's 15 different types of cultures and people walking down the street you know, bumping shoulders, they're all together. And when that's not like it was in that part of the country at that time. Um, I, I thought it was pretty funny though, Michelle, every, every season we seem to cover has the it's bitch please moment. And this mm-hmm. look on Hayes's face was the oh, bitch please when she was <laughs> describing, describing this guy with the bad eye that way. It was just like, you could see it on his face. Like, Oh, the eye roll. Yeah. No, I mean, he was even giving her like, 
like easy choices, right? Was he good looking? Was he ugly? I mean, you know, that kind of thing. Not even a tell us his height and weight and hair length. None of that. No, no specifics. Just, you know, let's kind of ease her into this. And she, she just, she couldn't do it. That was he, her. He dumbed it down and she dumbed it down even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he said that he had gotten them for his nieces and nephews, which is interesting. Because of the uncle. Cousin, because, uncle. right, and because of the story we've heard about the black man and the white woman, and remember the whole thing about the car and whoever's after them, I don't know. Um, it was kind of funny, though, because talking about the tracks, you know, where where I grew up, there there was literally railroad tracks, and there was like a good side of the railroad tracks and a bad side of the railroad tracks. I was wondering if that was something that you experienced back then. Well, I th- I don't think they have that euphemism for no reason cr- going yeah. across the wrong side of the tracks. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, um, it wasn't separated by race where I grew up. Uh, but it was definitely, um, you know, a more dangerous side and a less dangerous side. That's, yeah, but here, that's here it clearly is. There's a absolutely there's yeah. a part of town that is the black section of town. That's right. You know, that's the that's the message from Pizzolatto. Right. Sometimes I think they're a little heavy-handed in this stuff too. By the way, maybe not necessarily but that was, here. That's what it was, I think, in that time. In Arkansas, sure. but, and probably still is in parts of Arkansas, parts of the country. But I don't think it's like that here. I'm not saying that's what they're doing here, but I think a lot of times they're kind of heavy-handed on their on their social uh, commentary. Yeah. Thing. By the way, did you know Pizzolatto's from Arkansas? I did not. That's that's his stomping ground. In fact, they actually when he started doing this. They were asking him, like, you sure you want to do this? And right after Ozark, um, you know, sure you don't want to change this? Like, no, this is my this is my story. This is where it is. And this is going to stay the same. Okay, well, that's pretty interesting then. I like that. Because I would a whole lot rather it be not personal experience, but drawn from personal experience rather than just, I, I just want to tell the story. And Yeah, you think you think of writers as like, they come out of some dark apartment in Manhattan or some sunny villa in in Hollywood in Los Angeles somewhere. But he's really from this part of the country, and that's, he's drawing on his experience. Right. Okay, then we go to 1990. It's the first um, little jump we've had. And Hayes is telling Amelia about the reopening of the Purcell case, and West wants him on it. Now, this is where we had our disagreement about what happened and she's still angry at him she kind of says oh okay good and turns back and throws out a big word vicissitude at him and tells him to look it up she's kind of being a smart aleck and then he gives some half-assed apology about how he hasn't expressed how inadequate he's been made to feel and he's sorry about that and it's also smart-assed. Yeah, he is. But, yeah, he absolutely is. They're very she, intelligent with one another. They they speak, they argue very intelligently. It's not, 
you're a dumb bitch and you're, you know, <laughs> it's, it's very intellectual. And th- again, Milch does a great job with this conversation and fight that they have that it's re- really pretty smart. Okay. So you thought this was her, right? What do you mean? I thought it was her. You are laying this on her. I'm not laying anything on anybody. I think I think when I watch these two fight, sometimes I agree with one person I see fighting and disagree with the other. And I mm-hmm. like the person more than the other. And when I see Amelia and Wayne, I like Wayne a lot more than I like Amelia because I think, I think she's being manipulative to him. And I think he's being of him, manipulative of him. And I think he's being honest. Like the whole stop talking shit about me or I'm going to start crying. I think that's pretty honest. No, that was a great, that was a great, great, because I did not know where that was going to go. And I'm, I'm going to agree with you there. I like that. But it, it felt real and raw and true. Um, but that's not what I'm talking about. It was like, he was so mean to her before and we're going to have to assume this happened really soon, you know, like very recent in the past. And he was so mean. She told him what she was going to do. He was all for it. She did it. He didn't like it. That kind of stuff is crazy making. And that's just not okay. And now he's telling her, Hey, this is going to be reopened. And sorry, Wayne, if I don't, you know, jump up and down for you when this has been like a real point of contention that you have made sure to make personal with me. I don't blame her at all for still being upset over that. I mean, assuming, of course, that this wasn't four months later or whatever that that went on. I'm assuming it wasn't. Well, she she doesn't say anything nearly as revealing about her inner feelings to him as he says to her when he says i'm going to start crying if you talking shit about me well why? she, but she, she shuts it down apologize. she shuts everything down about her when it comes to the point for her to have a chance to reveal something it's always like oh let's pull down my panties let's have sex right and she she changes she shuts it down when it's time for her to reveal and wayne reveals so that's I don't know you see it differently than me that's just how it is it's not it's not my goal to get you to agree with me it's just my saying my point of view is that she's shutting and she's being she's blocking her communication to him at critical points and he's not he's saying things even if they're mean sometimes that's um, so funny that's really I'm 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 super interested in this and yeah I'm not trying to get you to agree with me either I'm just saying I see that completely differently I see her as being open when he's like doing all this poor me stuff you know and she's right he does I've been made to feel and she's like you take all I, I feel like she completely communicates maybe not nicely but she's communicative she's like you know this doesn't happen to you. Everything that your marriage, your life, your job, everything is not just stuff happening to you. You have some ownership in this. And he's like, you know, sorry, I didn't say the right thing. She's like, well, maybe you should just apologize. Just apologize. I felt like she said everything. And then when he, you know, I was worried, you know, that that was going to turn violent or something that I just really, you know, didn't, was hoping didn't when he followed her upstairs. Um, And, you know, I mean, I felt like that was like maybe her way of reaching out to him and diffusing the situation. And once it 
you know, that was over. She's like, I didn't mean that against you. And he said, I didn't either. And it was like this really calm kind of, kind of moment. It's just really interesting to me how differently that can be seen. Yeah. I'm, I'm also, I'm following some of Pizzolatto's clues. He's, you know, she says earlier in the season that, Hey, I, one of my favorite things is to go out and pretend I'm somebody else. And she goes out and play, play acts with people. And then she play acted with these detectives you know, in Oklahoma and got information. So she's she's good at manipulating people. And I don't think that stops with Wayne. I think she uses that power. She knows she's sexy and attractive to him, and she uses it to either start or stop lines of communication that she wants to either continue or, or end. I don't think Wayne's immune from her powers that she uses with everybody. I think he's also part of her, under her spell a little bit. And I think I, I think the I'm fact gonna... that she has a spell is a clue that she's up to something, and she's got to be a very important part of whatever happens is going on in this story. She's I not just, just a chronicler of it. She's not just writing books about it. I don't know why you have to disparage Amelia that way, but because <sighs> she's got the soul of a whore. <laughs> I don't think that was Amelia, but. No. Um... Okay, so then we see Weston Hayes literally driving. By the, the way, Michelle, how do those kids know what they're doing when they hear the thump, thump? The kids smile like, oh, there they go again. I know. Do kids know that? Do the kids I know that's happy know. time? I don't. <laughs> do the kids know what? They, no. know, they know that they're, it's not bad. I mean, how do you know it's not something bad? Daddy's pounding mommy's head into the table again. <laughs> How do they know that banging sound is happy? I have no idea. No idea. But Henry and, you know, they, yeah, they, they seem to understand that it was all going to be okay. Happy time. Okay. Okay. Wes and Hayes are literally driving to the other side of the railroad tracks, which made me think about my childhood and the railroad tracks. Um, Hayes asks if they just want to go door to door, but West brings up the liquor store, and Hayes calls him a racist for bringing that up. What was that all about? Just, I don't know, that you're going to find the black guy at the liquor store. Well, it was the, it, it, it was the liquor store in this neighborhood yeah. that was the black neighborhood. I know. I don't know. That was I, that was weird, but they end up at the liquor store, and the worker there doesn't want to give up the guy with the dead eye, but he knows exactly who they're talking about, and um, he finally tells them, and it's Sam Whitehead. And what's kind of funny about that is that is my grandson's name, my first grandson's name. So that Sam was Sam Whitehead. Uh, Sam Whitehead. Yeah, absolutely. Does first he have name a dead was, eye? He doesn't. So. Um, yeah. I will say, as dead eyes go, that's a pretty damn dead eye that that guy had. No yeah, doubt. Talk, no doubt about that eye being dead. They talk about it looking like a cataract or something, but I've never seen a cataract that that looks a little more than a cataract to me. But okay, so they go to the trailer park where he lives, and they get the stairs from the 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 neighborhood people that are around. Sam comes to the door, and he don't want to let him in. He has no trust. For these guys at all. 
They ask him about St. Michael's Church. Has he ever been? And he says he hasn't. Does he ever go to the fair? Has he bought Cornhusk dolls? And he's like, you're trying to pin this on me. And then he gets the group involved um, saying the white kids, something happened to white kids, and they're trying to blame it, pin it on a black man. Yeah, he gets the group involved as a safety precaution, like, hey, come over and watch what's happening here so I'm not accused or beaten up or attacked by these cops who are trying to pin something on me. Right, right. But he almost, I mean, it gets a little bit heated there. Somebody throws something, hits Wes, and they all go inside the trailer. Um, That was troublesome. But anyway, Pretty smart they get of them inside. to go inside. I, I wouldn't. You wouldn't think of that. You'd think they'd try to get back to their car or something. But they go in there and kind of fortify themselves. Right. Get back to the car or take Sam and leave. At that point, I mean, that could have really maybe backfired on him. Um, they were paying it. The crowd was paying attention anyway to what was going on over there. And the fact that he wanted to do it outside, I completely get that because, you know, the fear that you would have, but then riling them up like that. I don't know if that was best move, but once they get him inside, he starts talking and he's talking about how he works two jobs. He does not spend time at devil's den. And most of the people in the neighborhood could verify that he was home that night. They hear some glass breaking. They walk out and, they, uh, the crowd has thrown something through the windshield of the car. And, okay, so back in the car, Hayes asked West if he would have shot one of them. And that was a pretty interesting conversation. Did you, did you buy that? West says it's not racial. If it were a group of white people, there would have been a whole lot less hesitation on my part. Yeah, I buy it. I did too. Um, and then Hayes wants to say it was anonymous vandals in place of getting these people into trouble. What'd you think about that? Well, I mean, it's explained. It, I, I don't blame that crowd. I mean, they're angry. They shouldn't have smashed a cop's windshield, but I, you almost can't really blame them. They're, you know, they're stuck in this crappy situation in the economy. They probably don't have good jobs. It's the middle of the day. They're all hanging around. I don't blame them for their anger, and I don't blame them for expressing it. So, you know, I don't blame Hayes for protecting them a little bit, too. Okay. Why? What's your point? What's your side? <sighs> Turn them all in. Round up a team Absolutely of not. No, <laughs> no, no, no. No, of course not. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think of it like a mother. Right. That's how I think of it, because and that's probably not the right way to think of it. But if you catch your kids doing something that is, you know, not horrible, but it's bad or not good, let's say not good, then you want to tell them how you can't do that kind of stuff so they don't ramp it up next time. I don't know that you're doing any group of people any favors by letting them do right up to the line of something bad because it seems like it could be like saying this is okay. And I don't know that I would have wanted them to handle that any differently, but I didn't really love it the way it was handled either. 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's that side of it. That's a, that's a understandable. But I mean, think of th- play it out. If he does have to rep- if 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 uh, Roland does rep- quote unquote report it. I mean, what do they do? They go back there. Okay, who threw the garbage? Who threw the brick? Oh, absolutely! No, 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 no. I mean, I agree with that. And it was a, it was a really hot, uh, hot-headed kind of moment. And I don't know the the fact that that Hayes wanted to lie about it doesn't sit well necessarily with me. Not that I blame him. I mean, because you're right. He, what else can he do? I don't know the answer to that, but I just don't know. I, I don't know either way. Does that make sense? I mean, yeah. I'm any- I mean, it's, you could put an argument together for either side of your, your point. I just think, I, you know, it's probably typical I don't blame Hayes for protecting people who just committed a crime because it's a minor crime and it's an, and it's understandable. Well, and it, right. And it's the not resolution like gonna... causes right. more problems than anybody Abs- needs. Absolutely. It causes problems to people who, like you said, are certainly not um, – I mean, do we want to say they're down on their luck or I don't even know, certainly in a position of what's the word? I'm drawing a blank. They're they're not the the wealthiest of the town and they've got a lot on them maybe anyway and feel like they have a lot on them. So, yeah, yeah I don't underprivileged. I don't think- yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's the word. I don't I don't think that that they handled it wrong. Well, I actually kind of do think they handled it wrong, but I don't think that there's a right way. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, just, I didn't feel good about Hayes wanting to lie about it, and I didn't really feel good about – but I don't really know what else they could have done. Sometimes discretion being the better part of valor, that's, I think, a good – way to just leave it that he the best way for to, to diffuse this from any future problems is to say hey this happened while we weren't paying attention somebody tossed something at our window yeah 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 you're right and the people being angry there i completely agree if cops com- if more cops had that attitude there'd be probably a lot less problems than the beating up people and shooting people at traffic stops and quick itchy finger cops that we have which you know, so you could point, you could po- po- pose arguments for either side of that argument too, that they're on a tough, in a tough job, and they have hard situations that they have to deal with instantly. But you know, sometimes they do overreact like way too much, too quickly, well, I, too powerfully. Well, and also we're talking about back in 1980, right? So. I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around that time, too. So that's probably part of it. But if we really want to talk about it and talk about it for real, then I think if if West would have done something with, if it had been a white group of people, then that's racist, right? To not do something because it's a black group of people. Yeah, it's always it's always we you know we always profile everything we do. People getting into colleges and affirmative action and negative affirmative action. It's all based on trying to make things, trying to fix things that you don't just let it play out. You fix it. 
Uh, and again, I say quote unquote too much, but we, we sarcastically, we fix things more often than we should, I think, by attaching corrective measures that are over, you know, heavy handed. And I did like, that's, that's kind of what I asked you a while ago when I said, um, about Wes saying that it's not racial. If it were a group of white people, he would, there would have been less hesitation, but that kind of makes it racial. Doesn't yeah. It? Yeah. Anyway, I'm, it's definitely something that makes you think. And Mike, my husband was, is a few years older than me. And he remembers 1980 being, um, being different than I remember 1980 being, but you know, I was a kid. So anyway, it's, it's, it's just really interesting. And so having a commentary on something that happened in 1980 in that climate is really, I think it's timeless though. I think it's today. You could find the same situation, you know, but we profile everywhere we go. We profile, we make, we make human judgments. I mean, look at the next scene at the church. Roland picks out this pretty girl. He doesn't pick out the first girl he sees. He picks out the pretty girl. That's, that's somewhat of a, you know, preferential treatment profiling of that girl above all the other girls that he doesn't notice, you know? It's is just, that profile? That's funny. Well, it yeah. is. You know, pretty yeah. girls get more attention than plain looking girls. That's profiling. That's I never thought of that like that. That's that's interesting. Okay, then we're in 2015, and this is where Hayes goes into the police station. We find out Henry's the police officer. I don't think we knew that, did we? Yeah. I we didn't. did know? I agree. We didn't know okay. that. Okay. Um, Hayes took the bus. He's being very placating to Henry, right? He's being very, I didn't do what you don't want me to do and all this. And the whole thing was he wants Henry to find these people from the old case files. He's playing it off as a, this is helping my mind. Maybe I've got a book in there. It's helping me remember my life. I think there's more than that. What do you think? Yeah, it's my way of staying alive. Right. Yeah, I know Amelia's gone by now, and maybe it's something that he feels in a, in a, in a connection to her somehow. He's got these connections. We see all these ghosts and stuff that don't leave him alone. So he's got powerful emotional connections that he's trying to resolve, and it's really important to him. to. Yeah. I think he wants a resolution to this. Um, they've certainly touched on, if not screamed at, that he didn't believe they got the right man before. And I think he wants to get the right, he wants to know. And you mentioned something earlier. You said something about somebody. And anyway, I thought, oh, uh, Woodard. And was Woodard going to be blamed for, you know, like pinned on? I think, or no, no, I don't think. I thought it was going to be this Dan O'Brien, this cousin that was going to be the one in jail. That's been kind of like my thought process in the back of my mind this whole time. And, of course, we find out that's not the case either. Could be Freddie, too, the guy Freddie. I don't know. We don't know that. I don't think we know that even at the end of this episode, who the well, we know it, party was. We know it's not O'Brien. We do? Don't we? How do we know that? Because he, in... In 1990, they're looking for him. So he can't be the one in jail. I guess we don't know when he was 
killed though. Maybe got, I don't know. I guess I never made that processed it that far. Yeah. What if he got out of jail? When did they find his body in 1990? Um, or after? I don't, I, yeah, it was after. Um, they found it because the, the interviewer, Eliza, tells Hayes that they drained a quarry and found his body. And Hayes didn't even know that. But she says after he resurfaced, in 1990. And we also see in here that they're looking for him in 1990. Mm-hmm. So it can't be him in jail. So, yeah, like you said, lots of little clues about the way stuff, you know, happened. Okay, so then, um, anyway, Henry agrees to try to find all these people, and Hayes really wants him to find West. He really wants West found. So West is... In the last 25 years, West has uh, dropped out of the picture. And Hayes is worried he's dead. He's like, he's not dead, is he? And Henry's like, you know, I'll find out. Yeah, no Facebook, no Internet, no cell phone, no text, quick text to roll in. Hey, man, how you been all these years? It's all harder to find and connect with people back then than it is today. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, completely. I was thinking about that in, in a... I actually wrote that down somewhere in this. I'm sure we'll get to it. Um, Well, yeah, I actually wrote it down right here because I said, you know, now you know where people have their lunch, even people that you went to high school with, right? And because of social media and that kind of thing, and back then how hard it was to find people. So that's real interesting differentiation. Okay, so we're back in 1990. This is where Hayes goes into West's office. West has wanted Hayes to come in. He's, they're reopening the Purcell case. He wants him to come on. He's in there. And this is where uh, the Attorney General, Kent, comes in. We find out that West has been promoted to Lieutenant West, and uh, the guy, the main guy, the attorney, the the guy Kent is now the attorney general. And that's what they were saying he was going for back in the day. Now they come in to talk to Hayes and West and they want to reiterate that all the evidence said that the Purcell girl was dead. So they're really kind of strong arming them here. Didn't you think? Yeah. They want to vindicate the original conviction. They want to make sure they stick with the original story. Yes. Now, Will's murderer is the murderer that we have in custody. Right. And just because she wasn't dead doesn't mean that he's not still responsible for for Will. And Wes nods that he understands. But once they leave, oh, and, and they, they turn to Hayes and they're like, and, you know, West really pulled some strings to get you here. Don't, don't screw this up on him. And if you play your cards right, you might, you know end up back in major crimes in place of um, his stunted career path that he has taken. Yeah, and we learned that, you know, West has kind of played along to get along kind of on his ascent to whatever job he has as this lieutenant now because he's got the picture of him with Clinton. You know, he's greased palms. He's gone along with the good old boys that could promote him and gotten himself elevated to the spot. Right. And he wants right. he wants to help Hayes and these guys, these other guys are making sure that Hayes understands that we're going to keep everything that happened 
that story is going to stay intact, right? And, you know, West plays along even in this conversation. Like, oh, yeah, of course, boss. That's that's what right. we're going to do. But that's not what he means to do. And, and, and it's really, man, that good old boy stuff. Isn't it awful? I mean, doesn't it just like, it's horrible. Right? Well, that's the valuable thing that people like Pizzolatto do is, you know, he makes it part of this drama, but he reminds us that that goes on. That's probably very accurate in, in the way things really happen in both corporate and authorities and police stations and the military and politics. It's, you go along with what the guy above you wants you to do. It's it's disgusting. It's disgusting the things they show and how they come in there. I and mean, There's an investigation going on to free somebody who may have been wrongfully convicted, and they don't want that on them. It's not going to look good on them if that comes out to be the truth. Right. And so they don't want it. You know, um, forget the guy who's been rotting away in prison who didn't do it. We don't want this blemish on our career. And, and the real guy is out there still. Right. Right. But anyway, Wes says that he wasn't planning on doing it their way. And we also find out, I mean, West is gone, you know, in, in 2015, he's not, he, he's not, he hasn't become attorney general. We're going to have to assume. Yeah, he'd right? be findable if he was a prominent person right. in politics or something. So if we're going to have to assume here, or I am, that he didn't go along with this and it destroyed him too. But I'm I'm only guessing with that. But okay, we go back to 1980, and this is where West and Hayes are back at St. Michael's Church, and they're they're walking through the church, staring at people while the priest is speaking. That was a little overkill, wasn't it? Yeah, don't you when you open a door to a room that people are already having a meeting in? Don't you like kind of ease the door close so it doesn't chink, it doesn't click shut really loud, and everybody looks well, up, especially at church. And you stand in the back, right? You stand back there and you just wait. You wait for a moment when you can walk, if you need to walk through, so you're not being disruptive. But maybe, that was not what they maybe were if you're a police, Maybe if you're a person late for church, you would stand in the back and be quiet and careful. But maybe if you're a detective, maybe it is understandable that they need to surveil the thing closely, quickly, in case there's something that they might miss if they don't. I give them a little bit more levity because they're detectives than if they were just people late, you know, 15 minutes late for mass. It was a little strong-handed, though. But the police, uh, or the priest, I keep saying the police, the priest says after the services they're going to have tables set up. It says a lot about your church, Michelle. <laughs> it might say a lot about my mindset. Everybody's the police. Um, the church police. <laughs> okay, yeah. And... um he wants the congregation to assist him. And then we see outside, um, and they're saying there's no one-eyed people here. West goes off to start macking on the women, and Hayes is talking to the priest, and he thanks him and tells him that they're pretty sure that whoever took Julie and hurt Will is one of them. Now, why does he think that? I don't know, but he does make that pretty clear that we're 90% sure it's from the church. Maybe it's just to stir it up on the priest. You know, police don't always tell the truth to people that they're trying to get 
a reaction from. So maybe he's maybe he's prodding him a little bit over overhandedly, you know, over over the top to get him to you know stir him up a little bit. Yeah, um, well, but the priest says very few of their parishioners are black, and he doesn't know a one-eyed black man that they're looking for. Very few of our one-eyed black men are black. <laughs> are, yeah, <laughs> no, he, the priest handles it pretty smoothly. Like, that's a great point. Detective, but we have very few black parishioners. I mean, it's very, he's very believable. But that makes him creep. I don't know, he seems so creepy to me for no reason. I can't tell you why. He just seems freaking creepy. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to agree with you there. There's something that feels off. I don't know if I'd use the word creepy, but something feels off about that whole thing. Like if he was, if he was incapable, he would be all nervous and jumpy, but he's smooth, and that makes him creepy. Yeah, it's like this is uh he's practiced at it being being, you know, concealing yes. whatever his real emotions are. Yes, exactly. It's like he has expected this and these questions. So he's got it all rehearsed or something. I agree. Okay, so then we go to Hayes and Amelia having this really nice and very awkward at first dinner. That they're having. This is the conversation you were talking about. Amelia brings up Will's death and wonders if it could have been an accident. And then she apologizes immediately because he didn't answer her. And he starts asking her about California. She tells him that um, she used to be something of a mess. They, she asks about him and he says he'd like to pretend to be normal with her as long as he can. Um, and then he says he'll, you know, later on it'll be a surprise when he's not normal. And then they start doing this coy thing. She asks him how much later on. and um, Really smart, really smart, well-written dialogue that, again, David Milch is just so good at this. That it made me think, like, ah, oh, my next date, I want to remember this. I'm single, so I don't have a wife that I'm doing behind her back. But, I'm, you know, as a single guy, you want to remember some of this stuff, like... That just so clever, the things that both of them said. Yeah, they were definitely playing off of each other. He, um, I like his openness and his um, vulnerability here. He um, talks about where, about the spot that they found where the kids played and the toys and she said it almost feels like an element of affection in it. And he says that people, her kids think of it sometimes as a form of affection and, Mm -hmm. or up to the time that they hurt the kids, I think is what he said. And it's just this really awkward thing because as he's saying that, and it's really crude language and everything that they're using and the waiter waitress comes up and she overhears this, so it makes this really awkward stuff. So she changes the subject. She asks about his family. He talks about his mom and how he worked in the fields and stuff like that, and he doesn't know his dad. So we find out that little bit of information. And um, then he asks her about her background. They tease each other a little bit, and then... He gets weird, and she asks, when was the last time he had a girlfriend? And 
She's pretty stuck on that question. She won't let it go. She wants to know if he sees a lot of girls. And they do these little crude sayings and giggles. and um, But it was interesting because this is the second time we've heard this from him. He says that it never lasts with the girls he's with. And that he doesn't just go after the women, like, because she's heard things about cops being being womanizers. And he says that he Pussy hounds, Michelle. That's a technical. Okay, well, yeah, and he had a different word for it, but. Um, Dick holsters. <laughs> Gotta say it. Can't let that milch go. You know, that's what we pay for for HBO. Yeah, okay. A little a little crude, but he says he has a mental handicap. The other stuff doesn't work for him. The the just woman thing, the womanizing, he's got to have the dinner and the movie first. And this is the second time we've heard that. Uh, West wanted to, in episode one, right, go to, uh, was it a peep show or hookers? or I can't remember now. And... Hayes said he he doesn't he doesn't like that. Yeah, when they were shooting the rats. Yeah, I, I think I think Hayes and Amelia are actually a good match for each other because she's kind of the gregarious, outgoing, exuberant personality type, and he's the quiet, strong. Other exact op- they're opposites, and, and they mat they mesh pretty well. I mean, she's got she's eating a salad. He's eating a steak. They make yeah, it pretty, pretty mm-hmm. visually apparent that they're exact opposites. That I don't know. It, you kind of root for them as a couple because they seem like they'd be good if they could figure it out. Well, she reaches across the table and she starts playing a finger trace game with him, and it's it's pretty intimate. They have this little intimate moment, but I appreciated his vulnerability with her there. He's like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. He's like, you know, this is going to depend on you because I don't know. I'm not good at this. And usually it's the guy pressing things. So it's, a, I like the switch. They flip the roles and I think they're, it's believable that they would and could be, and probably were a good couple. Okay. So then West pulls up to a bar in the pouring rain. He goes in the back and Tom's on the floor. We have to assume this is the same night. That, it's I don't the Sawhorse. It's a Lucy's bar. Right, right. Um, I assume this was the same night as Hayes and Amelia's first date. I don't know why I assumed that, only because Hayes and West weren't together, I think. Um, Tom says that Lucy was having sex with his boss, who's right there. Tom's in the back. He's got a bloody nose. He's obviously been acting out in there. West looks at the guys that are standing around him. There's three big guys standing around Tom and says, why didn't you call Lucy? And the boss guy says, Lucy's got enough on her right now. And Wes gets him up and walks him out. And they're in the car. Tom is really down on himself. And he makes a really ugly racial slur against Hayes. And... He's West. steeped in that that racism that we talked about. Like he's almost blind to it, and then it, it kind of kicks him later. Like, oh my god, I'm sorry. You're right. I'm sorry. I said that. Like he's he's so right. steeped in it, he doesn't even know that he's doing it. Yeah, I I kind of felt like he knew he was doing it. I feel like he's lashing out. And West points out, this is the best guy 
to find your daughter. This I guy, think, though, I think people back then used like the N word, like in his typical colloquial conversation and then they, then it hits him later like yeah you're right that is that is pretty freaking bad for me to say that about some like he's it, it he's not say, when he says it it's just his matter of fact way of describing a black person a, bl- a black person he doesn't like albeit but still yeah. it's part of his normal conversation it's not like i'm going to select this word to be effectively mean to somebody it's just the way he talked but then he's then he's smart enough to regret it. Like, oh boy, that is not a good thing to say about people. Not a good, shouldn't call people that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I got out of that situation too. Out of that conversation, he's genuinely sorry that mm-hmm. he's done that, that he said that, because he does realize that Hayes is a good person and Hayes is out there really trying to find his daughter Mm -hmm. and here he has been disparaging to him. And it's just for absolutely no reason other than the fact that he's angry, not at Hayes at his situation. So, um, but West is good to him. We talked a little bit last time about what happened between West and Tom. Remember that made them kind of connect yeah, jail, you want was. the jail cell or the couch? So, he, right. so West, maybe this is tricky too on Pizzolatto's part because it's making him so likable. I don't know. I don't know what West could be as part any, part of any evil except for the go along to get along part, which he might he might not press a guilty person into uh, being convicted when he maybe should have. But I I think they're making West look like this really good person that might be. They might pull that rug out from under us. Yeah, I don't, I hope not because they are making, I mean, I mean, West is quick to defend Hayes. He's quick to, and, and, and I mean, as you would, you would defend your partner, but he's, he's good to Hayes. He's good to, um, uh, Tom. Tom. Yeah. He's just a good guy. I mean, he didn't have to go there and do that and put the guy on his couch. We see him watching him He's sleep. real nice to that girl at the church. <sighs> Good guy. Never mind. Okay. All right. Then we go to 1990, and West is giving instructions to all the people on the reopened investigation. He wants them to go every... Basically, they're starting from scratch. They're going over everything. They're talking to everyone again. Um, we find out that Hayes has been put into public information now instead of the crime division. And Hayes starts to talk, but West just cuts him off. He, what was that? What did you take for that? No, I didn't catch that he cut him off. I mean, I don't, so I didn't take anything from it. Yeah, he definitely cut him off. And then he says everything pointed to the girl being dead, but they were wrong. Let's find out why. And this is where Hayes kind of throws him under the bus and says, I don't know about we. So, well, that's probably that's probably your answer. He he wants Hayes to go along to get along like he does to run smoothly in his department. You got to do this my way, Hayes. To to make this work, you got to do it my way. Otherwise, there's going to be friction and problems. And under behind this closed doors, we'll do it a different way. Yeah, yeah. E- e- either that, or let's pretend to do it this way in front of everybody. That's what I said. That's what I meant. Yeah. 
Well, well, yeah, but it's it's a little bit different to say do it this way because it's going to uphold, you know, my status. So we have to do it this way. To me, anyway, just semantics, but or do it this way so we can really do it our way. So. Right. That's um, his goal. I think that's his goal. They talk about Lucy being dead. Uh, Lucy OD'd outside of Vegas in 88. Uh, and that her cousin, Dan O'Brien, no one knows where he is. And they want to find him. So this is 1990. And we don't know where O'Brien is. So he's definitely not in jail. Um, yeah, he has five objectives on his whiteboard or his corkboard. There are 1980 field reports, Uncle Dan O'Brien... The cell saw Walgreens robbery, statements of the residents slash witnesses, and mother Lucy Purcell deceased overdose in Las Vegas. Right. And I mean, everything is basically going over everything else except the cell saw police stuff. That's the only new thing. Everything else is just like backtracking. So Hayes and West are going for the new stuff because they have evidently been over the old stuff again and again and again. Um. And Hayes brings up that he's worried about the safety of the now 21-year-old Julie. Right. That was interesting. If they go dragging all this stuff back up and sniffing around, he's worried that she escaped from someone and that they won't like that. Right. So he wants nothing to be said about about what's Julie because that might put her in danger. So they keep that on the down low. That's interesting. Now, that that is a twist to it. That's not anything that I would have ever thought. Michelle, do you think there are too many clues? That's another thing in Reddit. People are saying this. There's too, many, there's too much information to the story. It makes it way more complicated. I mean, our next scene, we're going to talk about Wayne and Eliza now. That, that's, she seems to know something. Like, do you think there are too many clues in the story? Do you think there, there are too, too many ingredients in the soup? Um, that, that's a good question. There is a lot going on. I, uh, okay. Do I think there's too many that it's unbelievable and that they're doing overkill? No. Do I think there's too many to tell a really good story? Yeah, I do a little bit. Um, it's half over. It's halfway over. Right. Right, and they can pull us in a bunch of directions, but if you pull us in too many directions, it it's just everything feels watered down. So yeah, I'm I'm actually gonna agree with that Reddit. So, okay, 2015, Hayes goes to Eliza's house. He admits that she shared some details that he didn't have. He asks if she wants to talk to him more. He says that 1990 haunts him more than 1980. So it's interesting. I think we've seen mainly 1980 stuff. So now maybe they're going to focus more on the 1990 stuff. Um, He tells her that she's going to have to show hers too. He wants to know the whole story. Uh, This is his life and there's pieces missing. And then where she shows him the drained quarry in southern Missouri with a skeleton that's Dan O'Brien, who we find out went missing in 1990 after he resurfaced. So evidently they find him in 1990. He goes missing probably because of something they did or said or something. 
and um, I mean, I assume, and this is how he ends up. And they have a pact to keep secrets. Like she says, I can't show you all my cards yet. And he asks her not to share with his son. So it's, it's weird. It's, you write about the thing, the, it's, it's the thing that happened to Julie and Will is not the real thing of this story. It's a, it's a, the thing that leads us to the thing to borrow from Halt and Catch Fire. <laughs> right. It's not the real, it's, you know, the seed, but it's not the real focus. The real focus is something that happened to make, uh, to make what's his name elevate his career and to make this Dan O'Brien guy disappear and, you know, this guy in jail stay in jail and this attorney general get advanced in his career. West, West career, but it's something that led to all of that. It's the powerful system that led to all that, and not necessarily the murder of this poor kid Will and his and his sister Julie. I think I think that's the that's the pivot point for this story to start. But the real story is something else. Yeah, I I kind of think this is the real story, but it's just by by digging up this story, you unearth a lot of really bad stuff. Like that season was kind one, of going that's, on. Yes. that's the hint of yeah. season one is there was a greater evil than just the one, you know, the right. murder of the, or the couple people that got killed. Okay, we go back to 1980. They're discussing all the strange things with the investigators, the dolls, the letter sent, the Hoyt food plant, the black man with the lost eye. And this is where they find out that Kent is going on Donahue. And Hayes is like, what's a a Donahue? Um, And then we see them watching Donahue where... They're talking about this. So he's definitely using this case for political gain, right? That's what they're showing us there, right? Yep, we knew that. I mean, there's nothing yeah. new. You, you know, Mike is right. Your husband is right. There isn't a lot of new revealing stuff, just kind of subtle stuff. that we. They're telling us stuff we already know. Right, right. So then the guy comes in and says they got a hit on the fingerprint on the bike, and it's Freddie Burns. We knew that because we saw we, we knew that, but they didn't know that at this point. Yeah. Okay. So then we see Amelia going up to the Purcell house and Lucy's inside. She's being really ugly to somebody on the phone. She answers the door and uh, Amelia's brought the kids stuff by. And that was like kind of heart wrenching. Lucy's really nice to her, much nicer, but she's drunk. She's slightly apologetic, and she allows Amelia inside. Amelia expresses her condolences and tells Lucy to reach out to her if she ever needs anything. And this is where Lucy starts talking about, I have the soul of a whore. And that was startling. Yeah, um, she wants to go out and have fun in life, and she got pinned down being a mother, but, you know, by all these other circumstances. She's not really a great mother. She's out partying when the kids disappear, and she's, like, probably fooling around with her boss at the sawhorse and probably fooling around at the Hoyt chicken plant. So she's not a great m- mom and probably not in great relationship shape. She's drinking this hag wine at, you know, 11 in the morning. Out of a giant bottle. So she does have a soul of a whore. I've never thought of those words together. That David was David Milch, man, he's genius. Amelia's being really kind to her. She's saying she's trying to kind of talk her down. She's we not do though, Michelle. She's 
prodding her. She gets caught prodding her for clues. She's Well, yeah, she does, but she's telling her, she's saying, maybe we do things to hurt ourselves because we think we deserve to be hurt. And whatever Lucy thinks she did, she doesn't need to punish herself. And yeah, I mean, I think obviously she she's probably planting, went there she's for planting more. the seeds for common ground that makes her look friendly. You know, you can open up to me. I understand. She's being manip. She's like she's being with Wayne. I think she's she's setting the stage for her to get information from Lucy. I mean, you could look at that as being kind. I guess it is good to have somebody relate to you, but she's she got a greater goal. She's got an ulterior motive here. Okay, I didn't see that. You could be right. I'm gonna have to think about that. One for a of bit. all the problems Lucy has, one is not that she's stupid. She sees this. She sees right at one point. She says something. Oh, I think Lucy talked to Wayne. Talk. She she triggers something in Lucy that blink the light bulb comes on and she sees what Amelia's trying to do. Okay, I I didn't I did not take it like that. I took it as Amelia going over there to take the stuff back. No, she she, she doesn't. That's a that's a pathway to get her in. That's her yeah, key to Michelle. She so. could have had Wayne bring that stuff over. She could have got. She could have shipped. She needed to go talk to her because she's digging. Yeah, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. I just I know you like- didn't because that's why you like Amelia so much. But that's why I think she's up to something. No, I don't I didn't no, I like no, no. I didn't say I liked Amelia so much. All I said was in between her that that argument with with Hayes, I didn't blame her. That's all. And here I see her as being the teacher. I think she would have taken the stuff back whether she had ever met Hayes or not. But then when Lucy starts talking to her, and saying the stuff she says, then she feels compelled to take it to another level. I didn't necessarily see her taking it there as as her motive for going there. No, I think they've painted Amelia into this character that does things to play act to get reactions from people. From going to St. Louis for the weekend as a different person to going to the detectives in Oklahoma to doing this trip to Lucy, she's a she's a great actress who gets information by manipulating people and lucy and at one point it triggers in lucy like well i see what you're doing here bam get the fuck out of here well yeah you don't do you don't you don't have that reaction just because you're all of a sudden you get angry she caught her she caught her being what she was yeah, I, I just didn't see that like that. I, I realized that that is what she is in in a way anyway, and I realized that's what she did in that moment. But I just think Lucy is so triggered by the people trying to get information out of her because we have to assume she was on the phone with like maybe the press or somebody when Amelia comes to the door because she's really ugly to people on the phone. And then she sees... I just felt like Amelia was trying to be kind to her. She's talking about the 38 in her handgun and, you know, or, or in her handgun, in her purse, and, and that she, you know, was looking for the courage to do that. Amelia's saying, I've never seen that as courage. She's being really kind to her. And this is where Lucy reaches out and pulls the plate that says, I love mom. And she starts to sob and she asks God for forgiveness for the terrible things she's done. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if she's, I don't think she, and I hope based on the story that 
this is not just a trick, but she's, I don't think this is just about the fact that she has not been a good mom, which she says she hasn't. She said she never knew her mom and she hasn't been a good one to her kids. This wasn't a happy home. Children should laugh. See, she goes through this whole thing. She knew the place wasn't a good place for them. She knew she was not a good authority figure for these kids. And then here she starts to sob and ask God for forgiveness for the terrible things she's done. Right. And so I think she did something. That's what they want us to think. That's why they, you know, the whole should children should laugh. That was what was in the pasted note should spelled incorrectly. Children should laugh. And then here's Lucy saying it. So, aha, Lucy wrote the, but I don't think that's what really happened. I mean, Lucy saw that note or heard about that note. And she's, she's probably just saying, you know, that note was right. Children should laugh. I'm more worried about Amelia than I am about Lucy having a part in this crime. That's just going to freak me completely. That, that is so out in left field. I just cannot even see that at this point. I mean, you could be right, but anyway, when she says you can talk to Hayes, Hayes is a good man. Um, if you ever feel like there's anything, there's something you haven't told him, something you need to tell him, because it did sound like that. Um, and Lucy freaks out and runs her out of the house. She literally freaks out. Yeah. Okay, then we see Woodard. He's talking to these young girls out on the road and telling them he wants their uh, soda cans when they're done with it. And the little girl is all savvy and says, well, if you get two cents, we get part of it. And one of the fathers is, uh, we assume, a man is watching from the window. And he rallies the troops. Yeah, so Woodard did this on purpose, right? He did this as part of his trap to get those guys to chase him. He knows okay. what he knows where those kids live. He knows that the it's near their house. He's he he wouldn't just stumble into this. He set this up. Well, how could he? How could he set it up unless he had the kids out there alone? You well, know, I mean, like probably knew I'll wander around their property and see if I can stir something up to get these guys to chase me because he has mm-hmm. the wire already. He's ready for them to chase him into his trap. I don't think this is just him going about his day and, oh, no, I got in trouble again. I think he's I think this is part of his luring them into his trap. Well, that's interesting. I did not I did not even think of that. So you saw him getting ready with the bag. I mean, the bag was it was a heavy handed. Oh, God, is it a body or is it something? Right. We saw him prepping this like last episode i felt like he was just preparing because he knew those guys were going to um be a problem would likely be a problem you could be right i think it's more than that if they ever come after me i'm going to be ready that was kind of the implication but i think he set this up i'm going to set up the trap and then i'm going to lure the mice into it by going right up to the kids right when they get them the most angry they'll see me I mean, because he's, he, he's risking his danger, endangering his safety for two cents. If he's going to give two of the four cents he makes away back to the kids for how many cans did they have? They were drinking a can each, and he wanted the can they were drinking. That's, that's a really good point, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to maybe change my opinion on that because you could definitely be right. By the way, we have, when that. we play softball, there's a little Chinese lady that comes around and picks a ball because there's a lot of beer cans and people play softball. And they pick up, so you throw the beer can on the ground in a big pile and they come and get the, the cans and they recycle. They're essentially the water of Santa Rosa, California. And sometimes you tell them, hey, hold on a second because you're about to finish your beer and you just finish the last gulp and you hand them the can directly i wonder how much you make per can now like two cents but they give us a penny each back so it's a good deal for everyone there you go you make your penny okay we go to 1990 and they are talking to the southsaw police who haven't shared much yet hayes points out um he lets them know that they have spoken with his wife who they think is his ex-wife they talk about how Lucy, uh, Julie's prints were on aisle five and seven, and then they are studying video, and the police are showing it to him, and he's frustrated because it's been five hours. They are being thorough with this video, going over the video, the Walgreens yeah. video. The, the okay. uh, scene episode for our website and for our episode this week is julie in that video the still shot of julie well yeah because i mean we want to see her right it's interesting there's nothing there's nothing distinctive about it just a girl looks like a you know whatever 18 year old girl 17 year old girl 21 she's 21 here but yeah she's um yeah but we i mean we thought she was dead i mean they thought she was dead and she's alive and we get to see her and that's Really something. Real. Okay. Yeah, it makes it more yeah. real. Yes, yes. So it's 2015, and Hayes is doing his vo- his nighttime voice recording. Now, what do you think about this scene? He's having a real hard time with it. He's got the Vietnamese soldiers behind him with and, guns. And others. And, and others, yeah. Yeah, there's a white guy in a suit, which could be the somebody. I mean, it is somebody. Could be, could be Roland. White guy in a suit. It's not Roland. And there's American soldiers and Vietnamese soldiers, or Viet Cong, can't tell. But you you think enemy soldiers, okay, so these are the guys. So right away you think, okay, these are the guys that Wayne killed and their ghosts are here to haunt him because he has not resolved it in his mind. Right. But there's people, why why would he kill a guy in a white suit, a white guy in a suit? And why would he kill American soldiers? So... I don't know. It's you got to interpret this and put your spin on it your own personal way. But maybe it's the people he feels responsible for. Right. That's in, what I was thinking. Indirectly, maybe even. But yeah, I guess we'll find out. He's having a real hard time tonight. He's mumbling. He's um. He's worried about his kids. He's talking about the kids and the wall, the Walmart, and. He talks about, he's mumbling about how he felt like he made his kids sick and he poisoned them. Um, Maybe just with the being so immersed in the case or whatever. I I don't either. He may be deciding he doesn't want to stay alive without their mother. They show us the gun again. He needs to tell West about O'Brien and where is West. And he looks around. And this is where he looks out the window and he sees a car out the window. 
and he starts talking about it into his recorder. He's he's uh, paranoid. He's really uh, paranoid, and it was a miserable, very sad scene to watch. I think they're showing us that he's getting worse. Maybe there's a great. They- Pizzolatto's done a great job of making this guy such a good protagonist that we really, really root for him. We don't want him to feel sad. We don't want him to feel lost. We don't want him to feel like he does. We want him to get these answers. We want him to understand maybe even more than we want to. I'll I'll say for myself, even more than maybe I want to figure this out. I want him to figure it out because I like him so much. No, that's brilliant. Yes, yes. I want him to have his resolution even more than I want the resolution to this. Because we realize, because he said it a million times, that this has been a lot of years of his— this this has consumed his life. And, yeah, you're right. We don't want him to feel um, sad. We don't want him to feel lonely. I don't want him to feel—and and, uh, Tom didn't want him to feel, even after he said it, the racial comment that he said, I don't want him to feel bad in any way. Um, and he's not just losing sleep at night. He has, like, freaking ghosts coming to him and surrounding him and crowding in on him. It's just terrorizing pretty, him. He's yeah. terrorized. He's He's— his eyes are jerking and he's, and he's miserable with this. It's not just Amelia coming to him and sitting in a chair and he feels uncomfortable with it. This looks like terror to me. Okay. Then we go back to 1980 and West is walking Freddie Burns into an interrogation room and they deliberately walk him past his friends that are in the other rooms. They show him Will's bike and they say that it had his print on it. He admits to taking his bike and that Will was bugging him and looking for his sister. That's like you pointed out earlier, they had been separated, and that he chased him off. And Will ran into the woods. He chased him. He'd been drinking. He got lost in the woods. Um, and then they start threatening him with really bad stuff, and he breaks down. Yeah, but they know better. I mean, they, somewhere in this, I put in my notes that somebody says he'll be in jail at 25 years old, but not for this. So they yeah, know, that's what Hayes says. Yeah, they'll know. They know he's not really the. And so I, you know, I, I put in here scapegoat question mark. I don't think he ends up being the scapegoat because it's. I mean, he very well could be, but I, I don't think it's him. I think it's probably Woodard, if I had to guess. But for some reason, they're keeping Freddie part of the story. So maybe maybe it will turn out to be him. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking it, it's got to be more than just nothing, right? Because they've shown these guys, these teenagers in episode one, watching the kids, beating up the bike. We saw all this. And now they're, you know, they've questioned them individually. Now they're bringing them back in. There's something. Well, that could be the problem of too many clues that I was alluding to. Like, we got the lady making the dolls. We got the priest. We got the, you know, got all these people. The Woodard, you know, is there too, is it too rich of a dessert that it tastes sweet, but it's sickly sweet? Is it too much? Yeah, so. it's a lot, and it's a lot to keep track of even as as we watch it. Okay, then we go back to 1990. Hayes is going over the surveillance again, and this is where he sees Julie. He realizes he's found her finally. 
And she looks at that camera like she's reaching out to him. Or do you think or do you think he sees a real because he looks at that still and you can look at our website and see this picture. She's looking up at the camera, the closed circuit camera, and it looks like he's looking at it like click, like something clicks. And there's a clue here that he sees that nobody else saw. Oh, I don't know. She's reaching out to him for some reason. But I think he feels I mean, he's seeing ghosts of people that are reaching out to him. I think he senses this Julie on video, even the picture of her reaching out to him, too. Like, okay, help that's, me, help yeah. me somehow. That's interesting. I took it more as she was doing something she shouldn't have been doing, like maybe pocketing something or something and looking up at the surveillance cameras. But you could be right about that. Well, maybe. And maybe that's my interpretation of Hayes' interpretation, too. Right. You know, her her looking at the camera could be just as something simple as, like, she wasn't stealing something, but like, oh, shit, I'm on video. Oh, right. shit, I don't want to be on video. Right, right. Maybe she has escaped from somebody like they kind of alluded to early, earlier and somebody who's powerful and somebody who might have access to something like that. But that's not how I even took that until you just brought it up. I just took it as their surveillance video, um, you know, busted and Could whatever. Could be both. Could be her realizing I'm on surveillance video. Oh, shit, I didn't want to be. And then Hayes looking at it like, oh, I can see something that this girl needs that I can help her with. Or help me find her or help me resolve what's making her stay apart from, you know, whatever made her apart from the society when she left in 1980. Right. Okay, so then we go back to Woodard. He's walking down the road with his trash in his hand. Uh, The guys come up on him, and he drops everything, kicks off his boots, and takes off running. And you're right since you said that. It's like he almost had that planned, even the direction he's going and everything. So you could definitely be right. He runs across the field. He gets to his house before them, and he rigs up what they call them, like trip wires and everything. And then he goes to the canvas bag, which was guns, and I just put bad move, Pizzolatto. I hated that. And But he's got it all trip wired up, and he's barricaded inside. Yeah, it's the it's the hint of the housing project from season one, that dramatic, violent scene that we didn't see, but we had a hint of it. Right. So, I don't know. It wasn't it wasn't a bad cliffhanger. I'm pretty eager to see what happens in episode five. If you watched any of the upcomings, you saw some of what happened, but... Episode five is if you have ghosts. And I don't know how I knew in season 303, episode 303, Michelle, that there was an explosion in this thing that Woodard was doing. I don't forget how I saw that. Maybe some some weird video somebody had that probably got a screener because I think they get a few episodes ahead of everybody. But somehow I knew that he was up to something with that bag and maybe some explosive device that it looks like he really actually has. Yeah. So three hundred five five is if you have ghosts. So what were the? So we'll do our we'll do our break here. If you don't want to hear the spoilers, but what did you see on the next ones? Okay, there was a lot. I mean, there was like a stupid amount of the next ones. But well, we're um, ninety four minutes into this podcast, so let's let's summarize them quick if we can. <laughs> okay. Well, it, it, it's a nineteen ninety West and Hayes. They're in the car, and West is saying. Um, He's talking about how quickly the town died, and Hayes says it didn't die, it was murdered. We hear Amelia's voice saying, 
a lost child is a void that echoes backward and forward in time. So I don't know if she's reading a poem or if it was her, because it was kind of sing-songy the way she said it. We see Eliza Montgomery, that director, and she's saying they are all gone, vanished, kept silent, killed. Then it's 2000, we see 2015 West. Okay, so we know West comes back. And he's talking to Hayes. And he says, how are you going to talk to these people when we done what we done? Hmm. So that's kind of interesting. And they're showing all of this group of guys who chased Woodard down blown apart in his front yard. I mean, I actually got the TV to stop on that one scene and it was just a split second. And these guys are body pieces. The ones that came to his house that day. It is gruesome. Yeah. Those mines are supposed to be really brutally strong. Like they reach out way far when they explode in a certain direction. Yeah, that's what Mike was saying. He said that they, but if you stand behind them, you can literally be inches behind it or whatever. I don't know if it's inches, but right behind it and nothing. And in front of it, and it even said on on the thing, the side to point toward right. your the destruction. Enemy. Yeah. But that was crazy. Okay, Tom Purcell is saying... Uh, TikTok clocks ticking for our little girls out there, detectives. Our our little girl out there. And we see Tom try to hold Lucy's hand, but she jerks it away. A 1990 Hayes is back at the Watchtower, which is amazingly still there. And then we see a 1990 Hayes standing outside shirtless, at least. He may be more than shirtless. And Amelia is asking him where he's been, and he's got like that terrorized look in his eyes. Hmm. And he's outside, so that was really weird. We see some man pushing another man into a hotel room with a gun, but I couldn't tell who either one were. It was like a blur. Uh, Eliza is asking Hayes if any of Amelia, and we're going to assume it's Amelia because she says her, research suggested a larger conspiracy. We see 1990 Amelia running out of a bar looking really distressed. Hayes is saying, the things I've seen, the things I know, wouldn't do anything but cause harm. We see 1990 West beating someone else up. We see 1990 Amelia holding hands with some woman tenderly. It looks like it could be Julie, some young blondish woman. And then we see Hayes saying, what if the case were only ever a case? Whatever that means. Yeah, I'm interested to see Julie as an adult. I'm really interested to see to find out what happened to her. That's the biggest thing for me. I don't really care about the conspiracy of like powerful people picking on lesser powerful, lower powered people. That's that's compelling. But I really want to see Julie and what I want to know what happened to her and what she's doing now. Yeah, but I thought they insinuated that they never found her. Maybe, maybe, but I hope they but do. But that's who it looked like Amelia was talking to. Yeah. So maybe Amelia finds her. I don't know. Another interesting thing, Michelle, I forgot to say about David Milt is he went to Yale and he 
and Robert Penn Warren wrote books together, college textbooks. If you go to Wikipedia, you can read about Milch and find this. But but that was interesting. Pizzolatto's really connecting real life. You know, Penn, Robert Penn Warren was really a part of David Milch's life when they worked together at Yale. That's crazy. But this has been a long one, so we'll try to cut it short and see everybody next week. Um, uh, Michelle, you got a YouTube channel. We've been forgetting to promote that. Do you want to talk about your YouTube channel? <laughs> not really. I mean, it's really not related. Anybody that's interested, like in, uh, you know, aging as a female kind of stuff that might want to go over to look at it, it's um, really kind of like a girl thing, but it is. Um, if you go to YouTube, you can look me up there. I'm Michelle from TN, just like I am. And on win Twitter. fabulous prizes. <laughs> no, no. And, um, you but are. You're I, giving away gift certificates and stuff. Yeah, as I hit subscriber numbers and 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 stuff like that. Yeah, that's true. But um, but yeah, it's it it's just a lot of fun. It was like a creative outlet, particularly when we weren't uh, podcasting. We went a little while without podcasting, a few months, and uh, I didn't really have anything else going on as far as that went. And so I decided to start that up, and it's been really cool. I mean, I'm enjoying it. It's a different, it's very different than the podcast. So, all right. So go to Michelle from TN on YouTube. Go to West Coast Project for this and other podcasts. And until next week, and, Michelle, and tweet us and tweet us because we want to hear some of your ideas on on what's going on with. Uh, with True Detective this time, what's your opinion on it? We got a couple people that have written us and stuff, but it's it's really cool to hear your opinion on this and what's going on and what what we missed and what you think we got right. So, Only tweet me if I'm if you think I'm right about my theory. <laughs> but you can tweet me if you think he's wrong, and I'll tell him. At Michelle at, from TN, at Scathing Tweets. Yeah. And we also have Instagram, too, West Coast we Project. Do. Yep. Hi, Michelle. It's been a long one. These episodes are hard to get through quickly. There's just so much. So much. I know. All right. So I'll see you next week. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye-bye.